0: In today's show, we're talking Miami Heat. We're trying to preview the season coming up, and we're doing that with Wes Goldberg from Locked On Heat. Michael Bolton.
1: Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.
0: Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed.
1: You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part
0: of the podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. All right. Miami Heat time. Lots to talk about with them. Quickly, though, we are still doing the week one applications or expressions of interest for the Fantasy Basketball International Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Why do I keep calling it Locked On Fantasy Basketball? Locked On Fantasy Basketball World Cup. Biggest fantasy basketball contest in the world. 48 different divisions, 12 teams. There is a link in the show notes. There's a link in the description of this video. Yes, I know some people go, oh, man. What's this quiz? Why do I care about your other sports teams? It's just something fun to do, All right, That's that's all it is. There'll be another entry next week for people as well. We're going to fill 24 of these leagues over the next two weeks. A different entry form slash quiz next week as well. Don't stress if you got questions wrong. The average score is three out of seven. So if you got around that, don't worry about it. It's all good, and we'll get as many people into this as we possibly can. So if you are interested, drop a uh, drop an drop an entry in the form that is below. We might as well get in though now and talk Miami Heat. Wes, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here to talk Miami Heat. Now, we could have waited and waited and waited to do a Heat season preview, and we could probably do another one in two months' time. But honestly, who knows what's going to happen with this squad, because that's where we're at. And I'm sure you're dealing with that over at Locked On Heat, because we just don't know what's going to be happening with this squad. We all, I guess, assume that Damien Lillard is going to be a part of this team, but will it be in August or September? February? Like, it's a massive holding pattern.
1: It really is. Uh, I have no idea you, when, when, you know, you and I are emailing back and forth for this and you're like, what's the starting lineup going to be? Yeah. Like, I have no clue, man. So we'll give our best guesses and things like that as we go through the show, but it could go as far as February. One quick note on that. Just interesting that some of these early NBA schedule leaks, the NBA making sure that Miami's game in portland Mm. is after the trade deadline just in case this goes all the way up to the deadline just found that as an important note and an interesting thing yeah i saw that uh, but let's let's
0: yeah i saw that yesterday about that uh, yeah that return that alleged damien lillard return game would be like february 24th or something like that it was, it was something along those lines. Yeah. yeah there you go so it was uh it was an interesting little tidbit and we just we just don't know and hey maybe when a little trade does break we'll get you back on here for a quick breakdown of some of the changes on this team but let's just have a look at what has happened now because all we can look at is what we currently know and as for for how the team looks josh richardson is back they drafted homie Huckers. They signed Thomas Bryant. Drew Smith is back after a little stint as a two-way guy for the Nets. And they lose Victor Oladipo, Max Strews, Gabe Vincent, Cody Zeller, Omer Yertsevin, and Yudonis Haslam has finally retired. Now, let me quickly ask you this, Wes. On the, on the back of that list there, is this team better or worse than last season?
1: Just going off of this, I, I'd probably say slightly better. Um, as good as Max Struce and Gabe Vincent were in the playoffs, their regular season wasn't that impressive. They had actually regressed from the year prior. Uh, I think Josh Richardson on balance, not I think, Josh Richardson on balance is a better three point shooter even than Max Struce for his career, even though I think most people would think of Max Struce as the more elite three point shooter. And he might be uh, when it's all said and done, but Josh Richardson has been basically like a 37% career three-point shooter, and Struess has been 36%. So it's not a, a huge difference, but it is a difference. And then I think Jaime Haka's Jr. is the kind of rookie who could step in right away and play some kind of role for them. Um, and by bringing in Thomas Bryant, and then I'll add even Orlando Robinson to that group, uh, coming up from the two-way onto a regular standard deal, their backup center minutes behind Bam are going to be much better than what they were last year. Uh, again, for the most part, um, of last season when it was Dwayne Deadman and then they kind of get Zeller at the end there and Omar Yurtzvin was hurt all season so a lot of different uh circumstances going into that but overall healthier and I think more proven guys um and, and a little bit more depth even having lost Struis and Vincent which are will be big losses but I think on balance they might be slightly better
0: I okay my I don't know if it's a counter argument I, I would say Josh Richardson's the best player that, that a group and I, I don't I don't think there's a huge amount of debate. I think Struess and, and you highlighted, Struis' shooting is significantly overrated. I talked about this when I did the Cavs show with Evan the other day. People go, look, at this guy's a knockdown shooter. I go, he's had one season above league average, and he was 35% last season. Someone did provide a counter argument and said, yeah, but you know, he, he was taking all these wildly difficult threes, off-movements threes, all that sort of stuff. I go, if that's your job, like, they've got to go in. And you can take them, but if they're not going in, it, it's not... As important Now, I think he's probably a better shooter than the 35% in last season's regular season would show in terms of Struis. But until like he proves it regularly, until he is Joe Harris or Luke Kennard, who's hitting 43% every single season, he's not that player. He, he's not that good Mate. of a shooter. But I, I do think that the combination of Vincent and Struess, who were two key rotation players, and when you look at it, you know, Struess, Vincent, and Zala were all rotation players in an NBA Finals team, and, and they're all gone. Now, I do agree with you. The backup center position is better. Not because I think Thomas Bryant is that guy. I think Orlando Robinson's a better player than Thomas yeah. Bryant, but we'll we'll see how they end up going there. But I think that having Orlando Robinson um fully converted is a good move. And I think that he should be that primary backup next next to Bamada or behind Bam Ada because I don't think Thomas Bryant is very good. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Good luck watching him uh try to do any sort of def- <laughs> defense at all this season. The only real injury worry, I guess, with this team, is it's not even a worry, but just something we've got to touch on because Tyler Hero, of course, missed nearly all the playoffs with a hand injury. He is ready to go for this season. Is there anybody else? There was a, a marginal injury to Jaime Hakez in Summer League. Anyone else that's currently dealing with any injury concerns?
1: No. Nikola Jovic was dealing with a back issue basically his entire rookie year. Had to play got to play a little bit in the NBA, a little bit in the G League. That seems to be behind him at this point. You mentioned the Hakez thing. That seems to be more cautionary during Summer League. That seems to be behind him. And then Tali Hero just just uh, the other day uh, participated in the Miami Pro League down here, uh, and he looked really good. And that was actually his first basketball on a court, basically, in, in a competitive way since breaking his hand in Game 1 against the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. So um, it seems like the Miami Heat are healthy for now.
0: Yeah, they are for now. Um, the other thing with this team in terms of their roster, is currently... Only 13 players on it. There is, well, that's not true. There's 16, but three of them are two-way players. So mm-hmm. they are below league minimum, much like their presumed trading partner, Portland, who is also, I think, 13, maybe even 12 players. Is there's just so many things still to uh, to go through. Now, just, uh, I don't know if I want to talk a little bit now. No, we'll get to talk about that in a second because there's a lot of conjecture around it. Before we get to it, though, today's episode is brought to you by... Fangio Sportsbook, football season is here and Fangio is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. You just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and for every regular season victory you get, you get bonus bets. Wes, would it be smart for us to put a bet on the Miami Dolphins to win the Super Bowl to rack up those bonus bets? Yes, the Dolphins. This is the year, baby. Let's go. This is the year, as we've been saying for the last thirty years since we've last won a playoff game. But maybe it is the year. Maybe it is. I think they're going to get regular season wins. So if you do put a bet on my and your Miami Dolphins, Wes, mm-hmm. you might be able to rack up some of these bonus bets. Then you can use them for all sorts of things: spreads, money lines, uh, player props, over/unders, whatever it is. You can do all that over at FanDuel. So go to fanduel.com/slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's fanduel.com/slash locked on. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Where's your predicted starting five, we already threw that caveat out there about, eh, we don't know if Damian Lillard's going to be here, but he's not. So this is what we think, or what you think the starting lineup is going to be. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised to see it listed this way, but the more I looked at it, I went, okay, that, ma- that makes some sense. Tyler Hero, Josh Richardson, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, and Bam Adebayo. Now, there are two things there where I, I immediately raised my eyebrows. I went, oh, no Kyle Lowry. Okay. And Kevin Love starting over Caleb Martin. So let's talk about Richardson- over Lowry and basically making Tyler hero in this sort of configuration, a full-time point guard.
1: Yeah, this has more to do with Miami's lack of depth at that point guard spot than Kyle Lowry specifically. I think if the heat had a backup point guard that they felt really good about, you could see Lowry slot in with hero at the two guard spot and then just bring Josh Richardson off the bench. Um, but they seemed really happy with bringing Kyle Lowry off the bench last year, and this is a Heat team that's going to be playing for the playoffs, and one of the reasons they brought Lowry off the bench last year was to keep him fresh. It's easier to uh, manage his minutes, keep it around 20 to 25 a night when he's coming off the bench. So I think that's really the, 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 the crux of the argument here, and they have been sort of training Kyle hero to be a point guard. Um, Over the years, there was that experiment in his second year, and it didn't go very well. I think Tyler Hero just as a passer, and that's what most team fans will point to, and my argument always is he's gotten a lot better since the second year in terms of just playmaking and passing these things. I think he'd be ready for the pseudo point guard role because if we're being real about it, Van Adebayo runs this offense. Jimmy Butler runs this offense, right? Like, the offense goes through those guys. So I think in in this respect, you'd have Tyler – Josh Richardson and Kevin Love basically playing off of Bam Adebayo, kind of running things from the high post, kind of Nikola Jokic, uh, DeMontis Sabonis-like, and then obviously Jim Butler running his isolations and picker rolls and things that he likes to do. So there, that's, that's that part of it. And then in terms of uh, Kevin Love starting over – Caleb Martin, I don't know if you want to get to that now or if you want to understand the Lowry thing.
0: Just on on the Lowry thing, which I think is important to know, because the, the Bam at a bio point is really important. Yeah, Two years ago, he was averaging 7.9 assists per 100 possessions. Like That's a really big number for a center. Lowry arrived and it just disappeared. He went down to 5.1 and he was at 4.5 last season, which is the lowest yeah. number since the 18-19 season. Now, of course, this could all change if Damian Lillard does arrive on this team and then Lillard and Butler and Hero are all the playmakers and Bam still in a really smaller, smaller level of that sort of distribution, but if they are running this sort of situation where Lowry is going to be minimized, and you said there's no other point guards on this team, I could see Bam's assist numbers rising back up because they took, it took an expected hit when Lowry was there and playing starters minutes, but I, I think there is a chance that it jumps back up.
1: I'm with you, and and a big key of this too is Bam and Tyler, if Tyler was on this roster, over the last couple of years they've been sort of ramping up that pick and roll partnership just with in terms of quantity per game uh and that could be a big part of this too and, and part of that two-man game is bam setting up tyler hero in as just as much as if not more tyler hero setting up bam out of bio so yeah, i think it's a uh, it's a good point and yeah the kyle lowry thing was sort of a wrench in the bam out of bio systems. he would actually joke with us a little bit he's like ever since he got here i don't get my assists anymore uh, but I think as last season went on and as Kyle Lowry's age starts to show a little bit more, um, the Heat have started tilting things back towards Bam running stuff.
0: Yeah, um, and it was it was very noticeable. And we'll say, hopefully, for people who are invested in Bam into fantasy leagues, that, that does jump up. But let's talk Kevin Love because you do have him starting there. He started some games uh, last season for the Heat. Towards the end of the regular season, they did move him back to a bench role. I... Uh, I, this, this is a problem. I think we even discussed this at the start of last season. It's like, man, who who are the power forwards on this team? They don't really have any. And I guess yeah, Jimmy Butler, he, he wouldn't like to be labeled that way, but he sort of is a, a power forward on this squad. Like, What is the rationale here behind Kevin Love, which I, I think they might do, but I, I didn't think it went particularly well last season.
1: They like to start the more traditional power forward next to Bam just to start halves. Start the first half with Kevin Love, start the second half with and you could go back all the way to—I don't even know if most people remember this—outside Miami, the Heat had Luke Babbitt for a couple of years. Oh my and they god! They would yeah. just start him for the first like five minutes of every half. And Spo like to have those kinds of guys, whether it was Kelly olinick or Myers Leonard. It's just hey, tall white guy who can shoot from the corners. You start games next to Bam Adebayo, and then we go from there. Um, so I just think that this makes it cleaner. And it allows uh, Spo to bring Caleb Morton off the bench, which has been his preference, right? And you're not playing Caleb out of position because Caleb's not a four. And to your point, Jimmy Butler doesn't really want to be playing that spot. You want to kind of reduce that wear and tear throughout the regular season. The goal for this team is always be as healthy as you can for the postseason so you can hopefully put a run together like the one they just had. So um, I think just in terms of, hey, you're usually going to be facing the biggest lineups to start games. Teams don't usually – get big or or start small and get big. They start big and get small. And this is just the (laughs) Heat's way of matching up with that with Kevin Love, even if it's for five, six, seven minutes
0: to start each half. Because I am a professional broadcaster, Wes, I'm going to tie two earlier points back together. We want to talk about tall white guys who can seem to shoot because they are white guys. Why would Nikola Jovic not be in the mix to be maybe as that starting power forward? He's tall. He's white. Yeah. He allegedly yeah. can shoot threes. He can't, but he, he he looks like he should be able to shoot threes. Could he be in that mix? Because you know we've we know we've heard that name Jovic a million times this offseason. Well, look at what Porton's getting back. It's Jovic. He's been brought up so many times. Like, is there a chance that he cracks in that? Because I thought that he struggled when he played, and then of course he missed most of last season with that back problem.
1: There's no chance that he starts <laughs> to start the season. I mean, unless he takes some huge leap in the middle of the year and something clicks, and the guy he just but I, I i love his skill set i think it's really interesting in terms of a future front court partner with bam and, and that's why they drafted him last year in the first round but he's not ready defensively he doesn't have the reps man like he, he was hurt his whole rookie year those defensive reps are really important he's basically played wing his entire career before getting to the nba so he's learning a, basically a new position offensively it's not as much of a problem even though he is a little bit of like a bull in a china shop sometimes but he Defensively he's just he's 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 starting from scratch. And so until he shows real improvement there, he'll get reps, I think, this year if he's on the Heats roster. I think they'll throw him in there, especially in the early parts of the season, just sort of see what he can do. Um, but in terms of starting, no way. No way. Though the other the other sort of um I guess variable here is if they do pull off a Damian Miller trade, is Christian Wood somebody that they would go just take a flyer on? Can you go get Christian Wood at the minimum? spot him that starting four spot because when you're talking about like okay what boxes do you are you trying to check tall can rebound and can shoot threes christian wood can do all those things at least on paper it's
0: a bit and then are you also looking to check the 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 box of shit vibes because he texts he checks that one pretty uh pretty well as well
1: Yeah, and if you're looking for guys that don't want to play defense or ever pass (laughs) the ball, he's perfect. He's perfect for that too. But I, I, I can see the Heat at least being like, all right, it's the minimum. Let's take a flyer on him, especially if we have somebody like Dame. Like it's just something to come
0: on. To me, that I, I it's it's impossible for them to do. The perfect guy they get who's still available in free agency to play at spot is PJ Washington. I don't know how it's possible for it to happen because he's yeah. restricted. Um, I'd even I'd even try Cali Ure there honestly <laughs> over a Christian Wood, even though his defense sucks I'm and looking. he has uh, he has some issues with um, yeah not passing the ball as well. But it is an interesting position. Now let's look at the rest of the rotation. Yes, yeah, Lowry, Duncan, Robinson, Jaime Huckers Kayla Martin, Thomas Bryant. I want to just talk about Hakez for a second here because, again, like Jovic, his name is brought up every single day in Damian Lillard rumors, and there is always a... I'm not going to say a common misconception, but it is a misconception at times that people who are old that come out of the draft are NBA-ready, and my counter, to that is no. is Some of them might be, but a lot of them aren't, and the reason they are coming into the NBA old is because they weren't good enough to come into the NBA when they were younger. Hakes is a solid enough player who has some solid enough moments. He can be an okay guy, but... I think that we we overestimate the fact that, well, he's had all this extra experience, so he's going to be ready to play in the NBA, when realistically, the reason he didn't play in the NBA is because he wasn't good enough at those early years to play in the NBA. Now, I do think that given the lack of depth on this team as it currently stands, Huckers will be a rotation guy. But what would be the expected role for him? Because he's not a shooter. Like, he shot 32% from three across his college career. He's sort of a, I don't even know what the right word is. It sounds like I'm shitting on him, but I'm not. But I, th- I think sometimes the expectations of him go go, yeah. to, go too high. Uh, I think he's just a guy that just does stuff, little bits and pieces yep. of stuff without being great at anything and having certain I- issues that you can't extend him too far and there's no massive scalability. If you have to start him at a pinch, it's all good. And I think best case scenario, like if you've got a career like a Caleb Martin, yeah, as a similar player next to me, if I could turn into that sort of a player, I think that's that's a pretty big win out of a Jaime So I just think that some of the expectations need to be reset about what he's going to provide.
1: You bring up so many good points in that, and um, in terms of him just being a guy that could do stuff, <laughs> it, it sounds jokey, but it's true. And the Heat love dudes who do stuff. Like that's the that's the Heat kind of player. Like, can you are you a guy that could do stuff? Great, we like to do stuff here. Um, and that stuff might be diving for loose balls and fighting yep. for rebounds. Just stuff, you know. Setting a good screen, just stuff. Um, you're right about the shooting. It's 32% over his career. The Heat do internally believe that that can trend upward with better looks. The Heat do as good a job as almost any team in the league in just generating good three-point shots, um, and they think that Hakez could be a beneficiary of that. And that I don't know. I don't think they expect him to start shooting 40%, but maybe that could trend closer to 35, 36% with some better looks at the NBA level. I think they that's sort of what they're betting on, at least um and, and to your point like yeah he's 22 years old he's as old as this guy and this guy that's been in the nba for three or four years it's like all right cool he still has never played in an nba game he's still a rookie it doesn't matter how old he is and so the expectations do need to come down but they're in terms the caleb martin comparison is a good one and it's one that i've been making on the lockdown heat show it's like okay you want a comparison of what Hawkes could be think like caleb martin but before the Caleb Martin breakout in terms exactly, of being yeah. a, a rookie season, right? Maybe even like Caleb Martin's last year in Charlotte, maybe like you know, you you know, know say who it Caleb is? Martin's last year in Charlotte or I
0: his think first few months in Miami. I think he's more, maybe he's Cody Martin. Who's a le- less offensive focused Martin yeah. twin, but a very, yeah. very solid wing defender. Who's got limited upside. And I think Caleb's similar in terms of limited upside, but Caleb's more offensive twin and Cody's more of the defensive. Maybe Jaime is like the Cody version. Maybe maybe that's, that's where it is, but you're, you're right. I yeah, think he's Cody Martin. If, if, he turns into something more than that. That's fantastic, right? It's just an awesome, awesome experience. If that is what there's goes gonna on. be
1: nights, there'll be nights where he hit like he hits no. like three or four three pointers, and you'll be like, wow, oh, that's cool. And that's just gonna be that's gonna be bonus regular season, November stuff. Like whatever. Um, they just they needed another big body. He's a big body. You add him to the wing rotation. They were just so shallow in that regard yeah. last year, and they just needed a guy, a big guy who could do stuff and and that's what he is.
0: Gonna talk about the young players on this team, but we've already spoken about it. There's only two guys on this yeah. roster under the age of twenty-three. It is Jovich and it is Hakez. Um, quickly though, they just signed Justin Champagne. Now, I know that their roster is currently barren, there's empty roster spots, there's no two-ways available, but Champagne, um, I thought showed he's not he's not the one that showed out as much as the as Julian did in San Antonio, but he is he... Have you heard anything about him or Cole Swider or the helmet Caleb Daniels, Drew Peterson, Alondes Williams? These are all guys they've just added to the training camp roster. Have you heard anything about you know who might be a favorite to get a roster spot there? Like how that those guys are training because Champagne is interesting to me.
1: Champagne is interesting. Um, the, he's kind of that toolsy kind of guy that the Heat like to take a, a flyer on. Whether you know you can go back to Caleb Martin, you can go back to Derek Jones Jr. Like they like to try to find toolsy guys. Can we harness this and can we make something out of this? Um, Aldonis Williams is another one Kale uh, Daniels uh, and Cole Swider Drew Peterson who was part of their summer league program These are all guys who Their training can't mean something This is not just bodies to, to bring to the Bahamas You know That's not what it is for the Miami Heat Like, And I think their three two-way spots Are very much up for grabs uh, Drew Smith did not impress during summer league um, I thought Jamari Bouye did impress But he's small and there's just natural limitations That come with that um and uh jamal Cain's no longer uh, jamal kane is on that two-way contract but he wants to get a standard contract and if this little trade happens and they have a roster spot available maybe they promote him so i think all three of these two-way deal contracts are up for grabs and they're up for grabs by this group that we're talking about yeah training camps can be very important for all those guys
0: yeah it is and there are some interesting players interestingly they're they're all basically exactly 24 years of age swider daniels peterson williams they're all yeah they're all the, exactly the same age around that same sort of area. And Kane and Bouye are the, are the same age as well. Everyone is around that same uh, same mark. Um, how do you think that they treat this regular season? Because there's a couple of ways to look at last season. Is they were a- average to below average during the regular season. They blew the first playing game. They sneak into the playoffs. And then they go on a historic run through the playoffs. So there's two ways to look at it. They can be like, man, we don't want that stress of the play-in again. We have to be better in the regular season. Or they'll be like, ah, We can just take it easy and flip the switch during the playoffs, which I'd probably lean against that second one because a couple of things go wrong and they're not even in the playoffs to make that noise. And a lot of people are just like, well, look, the regular season doesn't mean anything. Um, Look what you can do when you go in the playoffs. Yeah, but they almost weren't there. So I do think that they need to be more focused regular season. And I hope... Because some teams will do this. And I don't think the Heat are one of these teams, but you can even look to their Southeast Division rivals. The Atlanta Hawks got themselves to a conference fire. went, all right, we're set, top four team. All right, we're ready to go. This is how we are. And they're without necessarily, even the Blazers did that a few years ago without looking at the context behind how they got there and go, you're not that team. So let's slow things down. I don't think the Heat are those guys, but there is somewhat of a risk of like, look, it doesn't matter if we lose this game or three games in February or in January. We'll be fine. Once we get to the playoffs, we're okay. How do you see them responding to those two diametrically opposed um, portions of their season?
1: Yeah, they don't want a repeat of last year in terms of the regular season. That's the last thing that they want. There was some like revisionist history. Like It was always part of the plan. They, they, they were so much smarter than everybody else. They knew that the regular season didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They needed to come back in the fourth quarter of the second play-in game against the Chicago Bulls. After they lost, they got killed. In the first playing game by the, against the Atlanta Hawks, um, that was not part of the plan. People like
0: it was. It's just sort of it, it's just ridiculous. The, <laughs> the other thing that people I, Wes don't remember is that they tried their absolute asses off to catch a Brooklyn team to get that sixth spot, who was losing yes. every game, and they could not catch them. They were trying. They they we want six. We want six. We need six. We need six. Brooklyn was like, no, we're just going to keep losing. And Miami said, Sah, same. We'll just keep losing as I, well. They couldn't do it. I,
1: As thrilling and surprising as that playoff run was, the regular season was equally disappointing and frustrating, right? And so the Heat don't want that. Um, I I wouldn't say that they almost came apart, but, man, it was a trying regular season for this team. And so um, they don't want to deal with that again, obviously. Uh, They were the number one seed the year before that, okay? So if I'm going to go on – I'm going to take not just last year's sample but the last two years. Where they were the one seed, and then they barely were the eighth seed in the East last year. I'm going to say they fall somewhere in the middle. All yeah. right, that's that's sort of what I
0: think will happen. When to get to our win projections later, but I'm basically in line with you there, and that that'll bring us to. Uh, actually, let's just do it now. Like, what in terms of yeah. a Damian Lillard trade? Like, okay, so the expectation is that means that Tyler Hero is out of there and probably is Hakez or maybe it's Martin or maybe it's Jovic or whoever it is, there's going to be other players there. So it's going to be a hit to their depth, irrespective of which of those depth pieces are involved in that trade. Lillard is clearly a very, very good player an excellent player. And I think he fits excellently next to Bam and next to Jimmy Butler, but that hit in depth is something that I don't think can be overlooked. So, it, while, while he is great and it does make them very good how much how much how actually how much better would you think that a Lillard deal makes and how much is the upgrade from Hero to Lillard versus losing that depth like how much does that actually help them
1: I think in I, well I think it increases their ceiling dramatically to a team that can make the NBA Finals which I think is their ceiling now to a team that can win the NBA Finals and that that's the difference that's why you make the Dame trade it's not to get Dame it's to try to win a championship yep um in, t- in terms of actual like regular season wins and that kind of value, Damian Miller, no doubt, is a very talented and, and helpful and impactful player. And what he does for your spacing and all these things, like people know this. But I think he would also just sort of reinvigorate a team that has been sort of otherwise stale for the last couple of years. I mean, we're talking about your big move over the last two years being Kevin Love off the buyout. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. And so even, and even when – and that's not – I'm not trying to diminish Kevin Love here because even when Kevin Love entered that locker room, I would argue his impact went on just like sort of reinvigorating the team more than it even was on the court. Because on the court, you were right earlier, it's sort of mixed, uh, mixed bag a little bit. But he was just like a needed new face in that locker room where it was just sort of getting stale in there. And, and I think if you add a guy like Damian Millard, you can see that really energizes this team. And then in terms of how they would handle the regular season, like their approach – would be let's just blow the doors off people and show people what we could really do and that we're a legit contender. I think that's how they would respond to a Dame trade. It would be kind of like a fire under their butt and they would just take off. And I think that that if they were to add Lillard, I think you're looking at a team that would probably win 50 games. And if if they're not able to trade for Damian Lillard or if it takes until January, February, whatever, you're looking probably
0: mid to high 40s. Okay, fair enough let's talk about a breakout candidate on this team which is hard to know because again we don't know how this roster looks and they are yeah outside of those two young guys that i mentioned they are a, pretty much an, an older team is there anyone you could highlight as a, as a breakout candidate
1: yeah it's tough because it's like how first of all who's going to be here like if pilot hero still on this roster i ride without hero man like i'm i'm kind of a homer when it comes to him i think he could kind of be a breakout candidate in terms just only only because his it feels like his value has been like just thrown into the toilet and given like just like the bully treatment during like the course of these trade talks about Damon, always not a good asset and all these things guy averaged 20 points per game over the last two years. And I think he's steadily improving. Um, so maybe not breakout, but maybe just sort of like rehab his own value kind of guy. Um, I don't know. Like Orlando Robinson would be that guy in terms yeah. of never even heard of him and now he's soaking up 15 to 18 minutes off the bench behind Bam Adebayo every single night and just giving you, like, really solid rebound numbers, good plus-minus stuff. Maybe he hits a three every once in a while because he likes to think that he could do that. We'll see if that translates to the NBA level. Saw him do a little bit of that in the summer league, so that was that was promising. I think Orlando Robinson would be my guy. Also, like, they can't trade Orlando Robinson in a game trade for, like, 30 days or whatever the rule is, three months. I, I forget what it is, but... Um, He's probably on the roster, right? Like a game trade's not getting held up
0: because Orlando Robinson is or isn't part of it. So. I, I, w- I wouldn't, I would I would hope not anyway. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, Orlando Robinson's a guy that if you aren't aware of who he is, his numbers coming out of Fresno State last season translated really well coming into the yeah. NBA. Um, big man who put up yeah, just like average 20 and 12 or something like that at Fresno State yeah. and was able to put up defensive numbers too. And even in his limited time last season as a two-way guy, I thought was really impressive. So he, he's definitely a name to watch. What about on the other side? I think yeah, we talk about limited um, breakout candidates, but given the age of some of these players, there's quite a few guys who might be taking a step back. I'd, yeah, I guess you could count Kyle Lowry in that, but I reckon that regression might have already happened.
1: I would. I can't believe I'm saying this, and I, and I hate oh, here we hands go. me. Let's go. I think Caleb Martin is a little bit of a stay away. Like, honestly, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. The, the conference finals was awesome. He wasn't that great in the finals. His regular season numbers were fine. You know, it was like nine points per game, a few rebounds. Like, they were fine. His shooting percentages dipped from the year before. Uh, if you're expecting him to basically be, like, Eastern Conference Finals MVP-type guy all the time, you're going to be really disappointed. I think he has value in a fantasy league. I think that he, he's one of those guys that kind of – can trickle like kind of tick a, a tally the box score in different places every single night and, and kind of just give you a few things here and there but um if, if you're just if you're expecting him to be your breakout i think you'll be like and you're in your draft night steal and you're like uh-huh, i got caleb martin all these fools are are are, are going to be surprised you're going to be disappointed
0: this was a big discussion point through those eastern conference finals where i had a, a few people who were tweeting at me man i can't wait he's going to be so awesome next year for fancy like oh. Bro, like he started all year and he averaged nine and a half, four and a half and one and a half with a steal. He hit one three a game. Like we saw plenty of opportunities of Caleb Martin um, mm. getting opportunities, getting minutes and being just completely mid in those minutes. Like he had a nice little seven game run which is a seven-game sample size, and then all that cooled down when the NBA Finals came Went Ah, maybe not. Maybe he's not this guy, and yeah, he's going to have competition, yeah, assuming from Damian Lillard coming in, and he might not start at power forward. Like, like who knows? To, to me, there is... That little run really elevated him, and there's the Jimmy Butler versus Caleb Martin for the conference finals MVP debate and all that sort of stuff, but in reality, he is who he is. He's a, a plugging role player who doesn't really have huge... Like that, that was really good upside, but... You can't bank on that at all. And I think that level that level of overrating of Caleb Martin, I think dissipated pretty quickly when we got to the NBA finals. So I don't know if anyone's still hanging on to that. Maybe they are. We'll see. I was going to say who's the most likely trade candidate on this team, but that's what we've been talking about all all, uh, all day. It's clearly Tyler Hero, but it could be four or five other guys. If you had to guess, guess Wes, I'm not going to tell you, ask you to tell me your date. Is it, does it happen before the season or during the season, if it's to happen at all? Dude, I don't
1: know <laughs> I'm gonna, if, uh, if you want me to bet I'll bet I'll bet um like 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 preseason would be my bet
0: okay all right so I I, I just wanted to be settled either way I wanted to be like no it's not happening or it's he's going somewhere else, or he's going to Miami, yeah. so I can sort out what I'm doing. We can figure out what these rosters look like, and I'm sure the teams would love to do that too. And all the pending free agents who haven't signed deals because they want figuring out what's going on where. It's just annoying. It's part of to it, you're
1: gonna have guys reporting to the building. It's gonna be weird when Dame goes to Portland. And he's like, "Yo, what's up?" Like it, right now, everybody's in vacation mode, right? So yeah. it's like, once we kind of get stuff happening again, maybe Portland's like, "All right, let's." Let's get on
0: the phone with these guys and figure it out. Yeah, let's hope let's hope something comes to fruition with it. Either way, whatever the resolution is, I just want it sorted as quickly as possible. Now Thank that you. brings us into something we spoke about earlier, and that is our win predictions for the season. This team 44 and 38 in the play-in last season, 20th best net rating, actually a negative, negative 0.1. That's not a good thing. Fanjul's got cool. them set at 48 and a half, which is obviously higher than last season. I am guessing that they are pricing in a Damian Lillard arrival in that. At the moment, I've got them at 45 and 37 because I just can't price in a Damian Lillard arrival. And even if it does happen, maybe it is after the trade deadline and there's acclimate. Uh, Who knows? I will adjust this if a trade goes down. You've got about at 49 and 33. So that's significantly better than where they were last season. Is is this just you thinking that opening night, Lillard's there starting?
1: Oh, this is a hedge. Like this, I told you before, like with Lillard, I think this is a team that wins 50 games without like mid to high 40s. And this is right there, half a win over the FanDuel, over under. I'm like, all right. If anybody comes at me, I went over, I, I took the over, I'm on the record as taking the over, uh, this is the ultimate hedge.
0: If they do go into this season, and it doesn't happen to the deadline, like, had, do you see them being a better record team than last season?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be a better record team than last year. I th- so the two things, again, that stand out, and, and I hate that it always just comes down to this, but and, and there's there obviously so many other factors, but... Two years ago when they were the one seed, they were the best three-point shooting team by percentage in the league. Yeah, Last year, they were one of the worst five three-point shooting teams in the league. And I will say that they were just the worst three-point shooting team in the league because the only teams that were worse than them were the teams actively tanking to try to get Webb and Yama, so they don't count as NBA teams. Uh, like, they they went from first to last in three-point shooting. And the difference was first place in the East to eighth place in the East. And if if they're just somewhere average from three-point range, yeah, I, I think that they'll just be better. And I, I, I think their their net rating will be better. I think that their record will be better. And I think that an improvement of four, five, six games does make a little bit more sense.
0: Let's let's play a game. where's let's play a Miami Heat grid game. It is Heat specific. And we are looking to match up Heat players that have played for the Heat and the Spurs, the Heat and the Bucks, the Heat and the Hawks, the Heat and the Wolves, and the Heat and the Clippers. And the last one is an all-star who made an all-star game while playing for the Miami Heat. Now, Unlike the regular grid games, we don't have rarity scores to be able to go by because it's only you that's playing it. But the way we're going to score this and grade you against your other locked-on hosts, and I will release all the grades at the end of all these team previews, is we look at the games played that they play for Miami and that they play for San Antonio. And I choose the lower of those numbers. So it might be 400 for Miami and 40 for the Spurs. That 40 is what counts. And I grade all those low numbers against each other on a scale of 0 to 100. So the player that's played the, 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 the highest minimum game played gets the 100, and you get the player who played like one game for one of the teams gets a zero. Does that make sense? So we're just looking for players where they might have been a Miami legend and they rocked up for San Antonio and played two games. If you pick that player, well, that's a good score. If they were always with the Spurs and they had like a two-game COVID cameo with the Heat, then you get a good score for that as well. Doesn't matter which team it is. They're just looking for that low game played number.
1: I so I sort of understand that, and look, I really appreciate all the work that you put into this to make it competitive and, and pin us against each other. But I, I basically ignored everything you just said because I'm just trying to. I just want to get some players right here. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm focused on. And if that player then gets me a good score, then even better.
0: Just think of funny players. That, that's 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 part of the game. Is like, man, man, did that guy that guy played here? That's funny. Let's just do that. Yeah. All right, where where are you going? What right. do you want to start with? I got one for the Spurs and the Heat, Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman is indeed a Heat and Spurs legend. How many games did he end up playing? Uh, he played 76 for the Spurs. Okay. That's not a bad score. It's right in the middle of the pack there. 47.44 is the score on that one. So that's a good start. Let me tell you who would have been some uh, some good ones in that one of players we would know. How about, uh, do you know that old mate Tyler Johnson played three games for the Spurs? Because I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He played, yep. he played three games there, so that would have been a good score. Who else is there on this list? That uh, Blake O'Hearn, whoever that is, he played three games for the Spurs. Um, there's not many other real great ones in this list. So that's, that's not odd. Obviously, Josh Richardson, who uh, played 63 games in his Spurs career there as well. All right, which other one are we going with now? I mean, we can go easy. Uh, Bucks and Heat, Ray Allen. Bucks and Heat, Ray Allen. Because, yes, Ray did not play. Huge amount of games for Miami, did he? Oh, and 152. Actually, oh wow. Oh. I, I lied. That is the absolute highest score you could have gotten. That is a 100. He, he is the uh he is, no. he played the most games there. The what, what are some other ones you could have gone for lowest? Javante Smart. Hmm, okay. Um, how about DeAndre Liggins' one game for the Heat? Sean Livingston. Oh. There you go. Sean Livingston played uh, four games for Miami. That could have been one. And Goran Dragic's seven games for the Bucks would have worked as well. All right, what are we going with next?
1: We can go with the Hawks, Joe Johnson.
0: Oh, Joe Johnson, Miami. Wow, okay. That is that is a good score because he only played... How many games do you reckon he played for Miami?
1: What did he play that half year? Probably like uh,
0: 30 games. Yeah, he played 24 games for Miami. Yeah. That was... Was that around COVID time or was it... I can't remember no, what it was. No, it was before. Before. All right, so we've got Minnesota and the Clippers or the Heat All-Star. What are we going to go with?
1: All right, so I'm confused about the all-star thing. I'll, I'll explain and that it's one too. Any Heat, like any Heat all-star?
0: It's anyone who made an all-star game playing for the Heat and then they uh, scored in terms of the best score you get is a player who's played the fewest games for the Miami Heat in their career.
1: But they had to make the all-star game while wearing a Heat uniform.
0: Correct. There are 10 players in history who have made a, an all-star game playing for the Miami Heat. And you want the one who has played the fewest career games for the Miami Heat. I could
1: easily screw myself on this. Um, all right.
0: Uh, hmm. The pressure is on.
1: I'm going to go. I'm, I'm gonna, I, it's not the best answer. It's kind of a mid answer. Just give me Shaq. Just give me Shaq. That's a good filler there.
0: Shaq. Shaq is actually where's. A very good answer because that gives a score of 14.4 because he only played 205 games in his Miami Heat career. And most of the other guys played a lot more. So Dwayne Wade with 950. Bam Adebayo's played double the amount of games that Shaq has played. Jimmy Butler's played more than Shaq. LeBron has played more than Shaq. Alonzo Mourning has played more than Shaq. The only player who's played fewer games for the Miami Heat who was an all-star while playing for the Heat is Anthony Mason. So Shaq was actually your second best answer there. We go boom. All right, great. Wolves and Clippers.
1: The Wolves are really throwing me, man. Um, I feel like this this one's. I feel like there's an obvious one here, but with the Clippers, I could go. Um...
0: Clippers. Mm-hmm. There is thirty-five players in history that have played for both of these squads.
1: Mm. Is one of them Trevor Ariza?
0: Trevor Ariza, unfortunately, is incorrect. Wes. Ah. Trevor Ariza. He never played for the Clippers. He never. Doc Rivers. Nope. He never played for the Clippers. Wings. Wow. He played for the Lakers, but not for the Clippers. Some answers Uh, you could have gone for there were Avery Bradley, Um, um, James Ennis played two games for the Clippers. How about Danny Granger's 12-game stint with the Clippers? Anyone? Oh my God. That's, oh and uh heat legend rodney magruder also played for the uh for the clippers you oh, could was, have done that one, that one was too easy and then or oh, the well the easiest one is lamar odom i think but we didn't go that direction either no, no. all right last My one. memory doesn't
1: go back that far
0: last one is minnesota and you're you're right there is an obvious one there but it's maybe not the best one but there is an absolutely obvious one there oh uh Jimmy butler jimmy Butler is the obvious one it's not a terrible score actually it's f- it gives a forty-one point seven two because he didn't play a huge amount of games in Minnesota. In fact, he played wow, yeah, he played sixty-nine games in Minnesota. That's that seems low, but anyway, that's a very small number. They'll cast a large shadow. Yeah, <laughs> he was there sixty. He played sixty-nine games only, and wow, nice. that's so so many memories, so many stories, so many memes from Jimmy Butler. What in, are some other Minnesota ones? Um, let's go through. What's the highest score was Wayne Allington. Okay, that's interesting. Um, okay.
1: I forgot he played for minutes. What about
0: Heat Legend Chris Silver? He played one game for the Wolves. There you go. <laughs> I had no idea that happened. <laughs> Mike Miller, Shabazz Napier. Um mm. Michael oh, Napier, I remember. Michael Beasley. Yeah. Nemanja Bjelica. Um who else is on here? Luol Ding played 22 games for Minnesota. If you if you, add
1: my, if, if you ask Bializia if he ever played for the Heat, he would tell you no. <laughs> he, he, he did he, not enjoy his time.
0: He he put on a uniform. I'm not sure how much he actually played during that time, but he <laughs> did. Did he put on a uniform? Wes, thank you for being a part of the show and coming on and chatting about this Miami Heat team. And I hope I can get you back on at some other point if something does go down with a Damian Lillard trade. Tell people what's going on over at Lockdown Heat at the moment.
1: Uh, mostly just me kicking myself over the Trevor Ariza pick. But other than that, um, we just uh, we celebrated Dwayne Wade week over at Locked On Heat. So if you're a big D. Wade fan, uh, a bunch of great content, interviews with George Stano, Zero Gutierrez, Antoine Walker, uh, Udonis Haslam. We had a really good time with that. Uh, and we're going to get back to the Damian Miller talk and breaking down some of the names that uh, you and I mentioned a little bit in passing in terms of training camp guys, which one of those guys are standouts, all that kind of stuff and of course the schedule release coming up at uh, some
0: point this week. Yeah, so check it out. You want your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on with the Miami Heat. Go check out Wes and David over at Locked On Heat Wes, Thank you again for coming on.
1: Thanks,
0: Josh. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening everyone. See ya.